At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Today, <clears throat> I'm going to continue this, uh, what has turned out to be a series of teachings on the subject of deliverance. Everybody shout deliverance. And I'm talking about deliverance is in the house. And two weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, I did the first one. And after that, um, people came down to the front of the altar and sat in the first three pews or so. And uh, people, we laid hands upon them, myself and the deacons of the church. People were healed, people were delivered. Chains were broken, chains of bondage. People were set free. And then on last Sunday, I purposed to do Deliverances in the House Part 2, but I didn't get to deliver it because the glory of the Lord so filled the house. The Levitical choir sung to uh, the praise of God uh, there's, there's no failure in God and they wouldn't let it go and, um, and so people began to come to the altar until the altar was filled all the way around and at that moment I said well there's no need in trying to deliver the word God has spoken let the church say amen and then after the service in an act of obedience to what God had told me to do even if I had taught the word that I was to pray for people just stand up here and just let people come as they choose and just lay hands and just tell them God bless you and um, I started doing that about 11.20 and it was 12.30 when Stone and I went upstairs to my office so it appeared that the whole church just about came down for prayer and today, I'm going to do what I was trying to do, uh, a purpose to do on last Sunday, Deliverances in the House, Part 2. And then next Sunday, I'm going to do Deliverances in the House, Part 3, because the Lord has already given me the word for that. And um, I want to say to you as a church, um, and I pray that I'm, I'm trying to say it's simple, but I pray that you receive it. But I just, I just need to keep telling you that God is real. And I know that just sounds so, so simple. So simple. But I'm saying to you, he's real because it could be that some of us are playing with him. And I need to tell you that he's real. And being a part of the church is about more than being part of an organization. That as a Christian, you need to understand that when you are saved, when you're saved, is more than being religious, is more than just being part of an organized church. You have become a part of the kingdom of God. And the, the problem with many church people is that if you're not careful, you can live your whole life pretending to be something that you're not. And, and, and so I want, I want to encourage us to really get serious about the Word of God. Um, on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, we're teaching under the theme, The Order of the House the order of the house. The devil is the author of confusion. God has nothing to do with confusion. When he creates the world, he brings community out of chaos. And, and so God wants us to operate in his will according to his word. And so I'm, I'm encouraging every man, every woman, to be at the um, Connection Group Bible study on Sunday morning because you really need word. You need word. 
Um, see, the question is, if I'm driving into Louisville, do I want to live out in Oklahoma, or do I want to live in the heart of the city? Some people spiritually do not mind being in Oklahoma because they don't mind being on the periphery when it comes to God. But some of us want to be as close to God as we can. So we want to get into the inner part. We want to be as close to God as we can. You will only be as close to God as you can if you take serious this book called the Bible. You'll only be as close. So I'm saying this not just to be talking, but I want to give you a preview of coming attractions for what God is about to do because I, I, I said it earlier today and I'm going to say it again that God wants to do something special in your life something significant and that's why right now he told me to speak into the house about this word on deliverance God's going to do something special in your life so special that I really don't have the linguistical ability, human language, words break down. They become not adequate to describe what God's going to do spiritually. But I'm talking about major miracles. When I say increase and elevation is coming into your life, I'm not saying that to you as a motivational speaker. What I'm doing as the man of God, I'm speaking the oracles of God, so I'm speaking over your life only that which God would have me to declare. I'm saying to you that increase and elevation is coming to your life. And it's about more than money. Good health is increase and elevation. Being in your right mind is increase in elevation. Your children being saved is increase in elevation. It comes in various ways. Don't limit it to money. Increase elevation. Doors open that you could not open. Protected from the attack of the demonic. Increase in elevation. So in three weeks, in three weeks, under the same theme of order in the house, I'm going to start doing on Wednesday, still under the theme, under the theme, order in the order of the house, I'm going to do a teaching through the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is part of what the Bible calls the wisdom literature. And I'm going to be teaching about a word for the wise. You cannot have disorder in your spirit and have order in your daily life. You cannot be out of sync with God in the interior aspect of your being and then think you're going to operate with the favor of God in your life. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring order to your life. Jesus says, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. I've been working on a series from the book of Nehemiah, and I want to call it, Thank God for the Second Half. But I was spiritually musing yesterday, meditating and praying. And the Holy Spirit is a wonder. And I, I marvel at how God works with me. And so he led me yesterday, Joe, to look back at the altar. Because for the last two weeks, Brother Holcomb told me yesterday, he said, Pastor, he said, last two weeks service has just been off the chain. And uh, for the last two weeks service has been around the altar. The altar. People came down. Two weeks ago we prayed for them. People experienced miracles, breakthroughs, signs and wonders. 
Last Sunday, I stood up here, but you're still at the altar. So the Holy Ghost had me look at Leviticus yesterday for a minute, where Israel was commanded by God to keep the fire burning on the altar. And the church today still needs to know how to take the horns of the altar and plead the blood of Jesus. And preachers, ministers need to know how to minister at the altar. God is, he's about to move so powerfully that other people are going to be saved and healed and strengthened because of your commitment to the ministry of prayer, the ministry of intercession at the altar. We are about to impact not only the city of Louisville, we are about to impact the region. I'm talking now about territorial blessings. So I think I'm going to not get to Nehemiah right now. In a few weeks, I think I'm going to be teaching about the altar. Everywhere Abraham went, he built an altar. I have, there's, a, there's an altar right here. But you see, I keep telling you, whatever God's doing in his house, he wants to do in your house. So I have an altar at my house. I don't have a stand or anything built, but I got a place in my house that I go to for spiritual solitude. I can be by myself. I need some aloneness with God because I need to talk to him and I need to listen to what he said. I wish I had somebody who was on page with me. And I pray at that altar. I pray for you at that altar. And I believe God hears my prayers. God wants me to talk about the altar because I don't know who all are going to join me, but there are going to be some people who are going to get serious about that altar. And you're going to see miracles and signs and wonders. This is no time just to be religious. This is a time to talk about your commitment to Christ, your intimacy with God. That's a preview of coming attractions. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. From there he arose, that is Jesus, and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this sin, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Just look at somebody with a sense of certitude and tell them deliverance is in the house. <laughs> the 
the ministry of deliverance is an essential part of every church and the life of every believer because it strengthens us and prepares us for a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Deliverance comes from God and it is one of the blessings that is a part of our covenant relationship with God. The ministry of deliverance, it destroys the work of the demonic and it, it is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of deliverance tears down strongholds and builds up the work of God. In our text, Jesus speaks of deliverance as the children's bread. Deliverance is the bread for every child of God. It is a part of the resources that every child of God has the right to partake of. Bread, simply defined, is food or sustenance. And the word sustenance speaks of that which supports and which provides sustainability. Every Christian needs the bread of God. And the reason why many believers are weak and spiritually fainting is because they have not experienced deliverance that is the children's bread. When you look, beloved, at Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and you look particularly at Romans chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, we are provided with a spiritual biography of each and every one of us. As quiet as is kept, you are in the Bible. You're in the biblical text, and that's why you need to read the Bible, study the Bible, and meditate upon the Bible, because the Bible, in a very real sense, is speaking to us about salvation history. Do not make the mistake, do not make the mistake of reading this book and think that when you read it, you're always reading in the past tense because salvation history is a sweep. It's a sweep. It covers yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Therefore, when I study the Bible, I must read the Bible, study the Bible, understanding that the Bible is constantly unfolding. And because it's unfolding, I'm a part of biblical drama. So Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 is a biography of my life, all of us. Romans 5 says that when it comes to your life and my life, that at some point when we were unsaved, that we had an encounter with Jesus. He met us where we were, but he wouldn't leave us where he found us. So we came into a saving relationship with God, not out of our goodness, but because of his grace. And God justifies us. He declares us righteous, not because of anything that we brought to him, but he declares us righteous because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. That was your place to holler. When you get to Romans chapter 6, Paul reminds us that the same grace that saved us is the grace that will sustain us so that I don't get saved by grace and then go back and start living like a fool because the grace that brought me to Christ is the same grace that's able to help me to grow up in Christ. When you get to Romans chapter 7, though, we are reminded that as saved, sealed, and sanctified as we are, we still struggle. 
that there are some proclivities, there are some issues that we brought with us to Jesus that we still need the Lord to help us to get over. So we find out that Paul says that uh, when I would do good, evil is always present. So I have to remind myself that I'm sleeping with the enemy. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. God, I don't need you to deliver me from everybody else. What I need you to do, God, is deliver me from me. If I can just get over me, I'm going to be all right. And then you get to Romans chapter 8 and then Paul says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is a biographical sketch of my life and your life. And so when we talk about deliverance, deliverance is something that is critical for all of our lives. Now in Mark chapter 7 verse 27, I need you to take note of the fact that Jesus says let the children be filled first let the children be filled first perhaps one of the perennial problems of the church is that we have not paid heed to what Jesus said when he said let the children be filled first because you see the mistake that the church is making is that we are trying to go out and to deliver everybody in the world without first being delivered ourselves and a weak church is not capable of delivering a wicked world. A church that is still in bondage herself cannot set the captives free. And so when we talk about deliverance, beloved, deliverance is not just people who are outside of the kingdom of God who need to be delivered, but deliverance also speaks of what needs to happen for people who are supposed to already be in the kingdom of God. So we can justifiably say that deliverance is a spiritual principle for the church. That deliverance is something that is consequential. Deliverance, it is something that is of utmost importance. And so that's why then we, I, 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 I'm focusing now in my ministry. I've been preaching since I was 19 and I know what it means to do what we would call conventional preaching. I, I've studied homiletics, but I'm convinced more than ever that what God wants me to do is to stand flat-footed and teach this word. Because the one thing about teaching is that it is universal. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. They can understand it when you teach the word of God. There are some things that we do in different denominations and different churches that has a lot to do with our cultural experience. But when you teach, it's universal. And when you teach, it makes it plain because you're really digging deep into the uh, pericope of the text. And, and people need to know that there is bread in the house. And they need to know where the bread comes from. And so I think now about how Naomi and her family went to the place called Moab because there was a famine in Bethlehem. But then Naomi's husband died and then her two sons got married and uh, the two sons died. So now Naomi is left with Ruth and another daughter-in-law. But Naomi hears that there is bread back in Bethlehem. So now Naomi and Ruth, they leave the land of Moab and go back to Bethlehem because they heard that there was bread in the house. And then I think about Luke chapter 1 around verses 67 and 68 that there is this prophetic word that the reason why Jesus comes into the world, it has to do with the covenant promise that God made to the children of Israel that he would one day send a Messiah 
he would send a savior he would send a redeemer Jesus is the Messiah he is the fulfillment of the promises of God so when he comes Luke says he brings a horn of salvation I need you to know today beloved again that we are living in the time of visitation somebody shout visitation we are living in the time of visitation why would you call yourself a Christian why would I call myself a Christian and not have any spiritual sensitivity as to where I am in Christ and what God is doing in the world right now in which I live we are living in the latter days we are living in the last days we're living under the dispensation of grace we're living in the time where God is pouring out his Holy Spirit so I did the series you recall not long ago about the anointing because we need to know that our God is the God who has shown himself as father he's the one who has shown himself as son and he's the one who has showed himself as Holy Spirit you just can't understand God as father you just can't understand him as son but you must embrace God as Holy Spirit because if you do not embrace him as Holy Spirit then you're going to miss what God is telling you you're going to miss what God wants to do for you you're going to forfeit the miracles and the signs and the wonders that God is working in the world today the only people who are going to miss this move of God are those who are not sensitive to the spirit of God it will only be those who are not spiritually and biblically informed I'm going to tell you again if you want to know where you're living right now this is the time of visitation and when the visitation comes then you receive or you experience deliverance which is the horn of salvation when the visitation comes you receive bread and it's important beloved that you and I study the word of God and get this word deep in your heart because let me tell you something this morning it does not matter how many demons that are cast out of your life if you do not live your life according to the word of God then you're going to have that experience to come back upon you we got to know the word of God look at this text look at the text Jesus he comes to the region of Tyre and Sidon he really doesn't want to be bothered he wants to have some incognito he wants to be in seclusion but there is a woman who has heard about Jesus. She has heard about his miracles. She's heard about his teaching. He, she's heard about what he's done for others. The woman has a daughter whose life is possessed with an unclean spirit. She believes in her heart that Jesus can do something about her daughter's case. So she's determined to get to Jesus. She makes her way into this house. She falls on her knees at the feet of Jesus. And she begins to ask Jesus, she says, I have a daughter with an unclean spirit and I need you, Jesus, to cast this demon out of my daughter. Are you getting this picture? This woman is desperate. She wants her daughter delivered. Her daughter has an unclean spirit in her. She made her way into the house and she's at the feet of Jesus and she's begging him. She's pleading him. She's on her knees. She says, Jesus, I got a daughter with an unclean spirit, a demon's in her. I need you to deliver my daughter. Now this story is not only told in the gospel of Mark, it's also told in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew says the woman is a Canaanite. Mark says she's a Syrophoenician. Whether you say Canaanite or Syrophoenician, what is clear is that the woman is a Gentile. 
Matthew gives us a little more information. Matthew says that while the woman is pleading with Jesus, that Jesus does not respond at all. He doesn't say a mumbling word to the point that the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, you see this woman's at your feet? You see she's down here begging, asking you to deliver her daughter with an unclean spirit, and you ain't saying nothing. Now, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to get the woman and take her out of the house if you ain't going to respond? What you going to do? I need to ask some questions right now. Question number one, does anybody and everybody have accessibility to God? Question number two, what does it take to get Jesus' attention? Question number three, how far are you willing to go to get God to do for you what you need him to do? When Jesus finally responds, this is what he says. He says, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, my Bible is the New King James Version. The regular King James Version would say it's not good to cast the bread to dogs, but the New King James Version says, and throw it to the little dogs. Did you hear what Jesus called this woman? I want to talk to the sisters now. I just want to talk to the sisters right for a minute. You got a daughter that's got a demon in her, an unclean spirit. You take your case to Jesus because you heard that he's got miracle working power. And you beg, you're on your knees at his feet and you're begging him to heal, to cleanse, to deliver my daughter from this unclean spirit. And Jesus' respond to your plea is he calls you a dog. I'm talking to sisters right now. Sister, how would you feel if Jesus called you a dog? You go to him asking for a request for your child and the response is he calls you a dog. Now this text, Joan, is so disturbing that commentators try to get around this. So I was, I was studying and one commentator said, well, he really didn't mean it like it sounded. He says that Jesus was kind of speaking in a jovial way. He really didn't call her a dog. He was just speaking in a jovial way. You know, he says, just imagine, look at Jesus' face, look at his body language. He may have winked his eye at her and, you know, said, you know, about dogs, but he was doing it in a kind of laughing way. But, but Bo, I can't go with that interpretation because, you see, the fact of the matter is the woman's daughter has a demon in her, and if the truth be told, this ain't no laughing situation. I, I don't need nobody laughing and playing games when my daughter's got a demon in her. So I can't go with that interpretation. Then I kept studying. There's another, there's another guy, Brother Pitts, and he says that uh, Jesus didn't mean it as strong as it sounded because he, when he says dogs, he's not talking about a big dog. He talk, <laughs> he's talking about a little dog. He, he ain't talking about no mean, marauding dog. He's, he's talking about like little puppies. Like my translation of the New King James says, don't throw it at the little puppies. But I can't go with that interpretation either. Because beloved, at the end of the day, whether you're talking about a big dog, a small dog, a trained dog, a house dog, an outdoors dog, a puppy, a dog is a dog. Jesus calls the girl a dog. I'm talking about this sounds like cruel language. It, it sounds like mean language. It sounds like something that is scandalous. And so I needed the Holy Ghost to help give me insight. I, God, help me understand why does Jesus call the woman a dog? And the Holy Ghost helped me understand. He said, Walter, 
He said this, this was not the first time that she had been called a dog. As a matter of fact, that's what she'd been called all of her life. And all her life, other folk have called her a dog. Because you got to understand, she's not Jewish. She's a Canaanite or she's a Syrophoenician woman, which means she's Gentile. And Jews and Gentiles did not get along. A Jew would not touch a plate that a Gentile had touched. A Jew would not drink out of a cup that a Gentile had drank out of. A Jew did not want to have anything to do with a Gentile. So Jews called Gentiles dogs. So she had been called a dog all of her life. So she's now in the company of others who are Jews. She's in the company of Jesus, who's a Jewish rabbi. And so when he called her a dog, she ain't heard nothing she had not heard of all of her life. So Jesus is saying to girlfriend, you're coming to me because you got a daughter whose life is possessed with a demon and you heard I got the power to heal and to deliver. And Jesus is saying to this Gentile woman, he says, well, the fact of the matter is that I really am, I'm going to deliver your daughter. Yeah, you want me to get the unclean spirit. You want me to get the demon out of her life. And Jesus is saying to her, I'm going to get the demon out of your daughter. But before I deliver your daughter, I've got to first deliver you. Because when I deliver your daughter, I'm gonna need her mother to be in a position where you can continue to heal her and minister to her and take her to the next step. But you can't take her to the next step if you in bondage and I set her free. So I'm not being disrespectful, but I'm going to call you what you've been used to being called so I can move you from accepting what others say about you and then start living for who God declares you to be. Because Jesus wants her to know your name ain't dog. Your name is child of God. I need to talk to somebody in the house right now. Your name is not prostitute. Your name is not crackhead. Your name is not in word. Your name is not nobody. Your name is not crippled. Your name is not addict. Your name is not drunkard. Your name is not pitiful. Your name is not failure. Your name is child of God. Your name is overcomer. Your name is conqueror. Your name is anointed one. Your name is joy. Your name is peace. Your name is faith. You need to start declaring over your life not what others say about you, you need to start affirming what God declares who you are. Jesus, Je Jesus is going to move her from where she used to be. I'm talking about the mama. To where God wants her to be. So mama can take care of daughter. Now, I'm going to back this train up for just a minute because I said something earlier that you, you should have tore up the pew you were sitting in. But I think it may have got over your head. So, so I'm going to say it again. Je Jesus says, let the children be filled first. Okay. Let me talk to this group. Let the children be filled what first okay 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 let, let, let me talk to this group over here okay come on somebody's gonna get this somebody okay let the children be filled first I got to go up to the balcony today. I don't see the people down there. In the balcony, let the children be filled first. First. Okay, okay, okay. Joe, I need to break it down. I need to This ain't that hard. This is your place to scream. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Let the children be filled first. If there is a first, that means there's got to be a second. Just, just look at somebody and say, neighbor, neighbor. 
I may not be first, but God knows I'm in the line. Come on, look at him again. Say, neighbor, he may be doing it for somebody else right now, but God knows I'm next. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 Jesus says, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And, and the woman says to Jesus, she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs in, under the table eat from the children's crumbs. The gir girlfriend says to Jesus, you call me a dog? She says, call me what you want to call me. I ain't going nowhere until you deliver my daughter. You want to call me a dog? Bow wow. Bow wow. But I ain't going nowhere until you heal my daughter. I feel another place for us to shout because I want to holler, I think, today. And that is she's at the feet of Jesus. She, she's on her knees. Yeah, she's on her knees. She, she's at the feet of Jesus. She, she's on her knees. Yeah, yes. And, and she addresses Jesus. And when she addresses him, uh, she, she says to Jesus, she calls him, she says, Lord, yes, son of David. Yes, she calls him Lord son of David. Yeah, that's what she calls him. She calls him Lord, son of David, which implies then that the woman recognizes that Jesus is from heaven, but she's got a daughter with a demon in her. So she is saying in essence, she's saying in essence, she says, Jesus, you from heaven, but my daughter is in hell. And since you from heaven and my daughter's in hell, then I'm at your feet and I am on my knees and I'm crying out to you, Jesus, deliver my child. I got another question I need to ask you this morning. I need to ask somebody, how low are you willing to go? How low are you willing to go? Yes, yes, you came to church today. Well, why did you come to church today? Did you come to be entertained or did you come to have an engagement with God? I come to church because I need God. I come to church because I need to experience his presence and his power. I come to church because I need God to fill me. I come to church because I need God to bless me. I come to church because I need God to lay his holy hands on me. I'm I'm glad to see you at church, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm coming because I need God in my life. And there's some things I need God to do for me that you cannot do. So when I come to church, I ain't got no time to be cute. I ain't got time to be sedity. I ain't got time to be bourgeoisie. I ain't got time to sit up here and act like Alice in Wonderland. I ain't got time to sit here like a cow looking at a new gate. I ain't got time sitting here trying to impress you you. I ain't got time to act like I'm a sophisticate because life is too hellish. The devil's too real. I got to deal with too many challenges in my everyday life. So when I come to church, I'm crying, pass me not. Oh, gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. So when you come to church, nobody ought to be pushing you to give God some glory. Nobody ought to, have to push you to praise God. Nobody ought to, have to push you to worship God. You ought to come to church as a man already made up. I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm going to wave my hand. I'm going to scream. I'm going to holler. I'm going to make some noise. But I'm not going to sit there like I don't know what's going on. Look at some of y'all. You're still sitting right now. You still ain't got it. 
I'm trying to tell you that you ought to put some sweat equity into the worship experience. I'm trying to tell you, you going to a football game, a basketball game, you're going to stand, you're going to make holler, you're going to stand before the game starts. Just They're coming out warming up and you're my team, my team. And yet it looked like you come to church, the choir got to almost sing for an hour for you to start feeling like you feel something. I got to stand up here. You want me to go through some pool pit gymnastics to make you stand on your feet. I ain't here to entertain you. I'm not here to make you shout. I'm here to deliver a word. And I don't need you to say amen for me to holler. I'll holler by myself. I'm talking to somebody who ought to recognize that you need God. And maybe you are intimidated by the person around you. Maybe you don't give God some praise because the person beside you turns and gives you an evil eye. Look at you right strange like it don't take all of that. Look at you like funny like I wish you would stop making so much noise. I wish you'd calm down and be quiet. You wave your hand standing all up and all that bumping into me. I wish you would just settle down. You ought to look back at him and say, well, if you didn't want all of that, you shouldn't have sat down beside me. You should have sat somewhere else. If you need me, I'll get an usher right now to come and reseat you because when you sit where I sit, you sit in a praise section. You sit in a part of the church that's known for going in. My middle name is Shout. My last name is Holler. My first name is I'm known for getting disruptive in church because you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You don't know how far he's had to bring me from. You don't know what I've had to deal with all this week. But I said to myself, if I can just get to church, everything's going to be all right. So many times I thought I was going to lose my mind. But I came to church and it was a song that was sung. It was a prayer that was prayed. It was the word that pastor that delivered. They gave me some hope. They gave me some strength and said to myself just keep on pressing your way. I don't care how dark the day gets. I don't care how dreary the night becomes. You ain't by yourself. You got a God on your side and when you came to church the Bible says entered his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and inasmuch as God is in this house I'm saying to God when you walk past my pew when you come down by my aisle God I want you to put your hands on me now if you want me to shut up if you can do for me what God can do I might shut up but if you can't do what God if you can't heal me if you can't deliver me not only am I going to holler but I'm going to get louder and louder because I need God I need God to do something for me this woman, and I'm through, this woman reminds me of blind Bartimaeus because she's got so much perseverance. She reminds me of blind Bartimaeus. You remember Bartimaeus was on the side of the road. He was blind and he couldn't see, but he heard Jesus was coming by and Bartimaeus started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The other folk got concerned about it. They thought Bartimaeus was making too much noise. That's right, Jarrell, we might as well go. He kept on crying out. They said, Bartimaeus, you need to get quiet. But Bartimaeus said, no, I need the one who can open up blinded eyes. I need the one who can unstop deaf ears. And I need the one who can calm a raging sea. So I'm going to keep on crying. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This woman reminds me of the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. She had grappled with this ugly and awesome disease. She had gone from doctor to doctor but couldn't get no 
help. The law said that she couldn't come in the city, but she had to live on the outskirts and cry, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But when you need Jesus, when you get desperate enough, when you're tired of being sick and tired, when you come to the resolution that there's some things that God and God alone can do for me, then you'll say, I'm going to have to break social protocol. The woman came on in the city. Jesus is in a crowd. And can't you hear her saying, excuse me, pardon me, sir, but I'm trying to get to Jesus. They see blood running from a skirt. They say, you ain't supposed to be out here because the Levitical law says you unclean. She says, maybe I am, but I'm trying to get to Jesus. She realizes if I keep trying to press my way through the crowd, I may not get to him. So she gets down on the ground. Can't you see her? She's crawling on her arms and her knees, crawling through the crowd. She gets so close to Jesus. She says, I would like to tell him what I need, but I may not get to call his name. But my faith has kicked in, and my faith says you don't need to tell him. All you need to do is touch him. Only a touch is going to take care of your problem. She just touched the fringes of his garment, and when she touched him, he touched her. When she touched him, I heard Jesus say that I found virtue flowing from me. The disciple says, Jesus, you're in a crowd. Somebody had to bump you. Jesus says, I ain't talking about a bump, but I'm talking about a touch. Somebody just touched me because I found virtue flowing from my body. You need God to touch you, but you need to touch him. How can I touch him, pastor? Touch him by faith. Look at somebody say, if you can believe all things are possible to those who can believe reach out right now with a hand of faith and say touch me Lord Jesus I need healing touch me Lord Jesus I need deliverance touch me Lord Jesus I need the anointing touch me Lord Jesus I need a breakthrough. Touch me Lord Jesus. And if you reach out to him he'll reach out to you. I heard I heard the Bible say if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Have I got anybody? Have I got anybody that's ever drawn near to God? And did he not draw near to you? He touched me once, but he's in the business of giving you another touch. And then the woman in the text, she's like Bartimaeus. She's like the woman with the issue of blood. She ain't going nowhere until Jesus delivers her daughter. She's operating in faith. She was not at the head of the line but she was in the line and because of her faith Jesus said go on home your daughter has been delivered when she got home she found her daughter delivered from the unclean spirit every time you come to church God is telling you that I heard your prayer I heard your cry and when you leave my house and you get back to your house you're going to find out that I flipped the script you're going to find
find out that I change your situation. You're going to find out that I'm a God that sits high, but I look low. You're going to find out that I know what you need before you call my name. You're going to find out that I'm the sovereign God. I know the beginning at the end. You're going to find out that I know how to dry the tears from your eyes. You're going to find out that you can trust me when you can't trace me. I got to close it, Canaan. I just want to tell somebody maybe you've been praying and you ain't seen it change yet but I told you earlier that if there's a first there's got to be a second so I want to close today by encouraging you that whatever you do stay in the line look at somebody tell them whatever you do Stay in the line. I was at the airport several years ago. I had been out on a speaking engagement and I'm trying to get back home. I'm trying to get to Louisville, but I'm standing in the line. I was flying on Delta and I needed to get to the front desk, Sister Coleman, so I could get my ticket. But the line was long and I was at the back of the line. I was flying first class, but the line was still long. I'm looking at the clock and I know they got a time crystal when they say if you ain't in the plane at this time, even if you got a ticket, you can't get on the plane. I'm looking at my watch. I'm thinking about the gate. I kept looking left and right, hoping that the people would hurry up and get on through so I could get up there and get my ticket. But the longer I looked, it looked like the slower they were being. I was worried. I was fretful. I said, I'm going to fool around and not make my flight. And then out of nowhere, one of the Delta representatives showed up. A man showed up who had authority. A man showed up who could make a difference. A man showed up who could change my situation. He was one of those Delta men. The one, you know, got the red jacket on. He came over to our line and out of nowhere he said I need everybody's attention. He said is there anybody because you see everybody in the line were going different places but the man said is there anybody in this line that is on flight such and such that's going to Louisville, Kentucky because you ain't got much time and I need to work something out for you. Is there anybody in the line that needs to go to Louisville, Kentucky? Raise your hand. I raised my hand. I said, yes, sir. I need to go to Louisville. He said, sir, step out of the line. He took me by the hand, took me to the very front and said to the lady, give him his ticket. She gave me my ticket. He said, go on to the gate and have a good flight. I came to tell somebody, whatever you do, stay in the line. It may not look like God's working it out, but there's a man, there's a man from Galilee. He'll show up when you least expect. He'll ask, is there anybody in the line that needs a breakthrough? Is there anybody that needs a healing? Is there anybody that needs deliverance? Wave your hand and just shout, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm the one. Yes, Lord. I need a healing. Yes, Lord. I need a breakthrough. Yes, Lord. I need deliverance. Yes, Lord. I need joy. Yes, Lord. I need peace. Yes, Lord. Come on, Jesus. Work it out. Come on, Jesus. Turn it around. 
Come on, Jesus. Fix it for me. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He may not come when you want him, but whenever he shows up, he's right on time. Grandmama said, you can't hurry God. You just got to wait on him. He doesn't come too early. He doesn't come too late. But he's right on time. Before the church delivers the world, the church needs to be delivered. You can live your life being plastic if you want to. You can live your life being pretentious if you want to. You can keep on lying to yourself and say that I don't have these issues. The devil capitalizes on ignorance and he capitalizes on arrogance. But to the man of God, to the woman of God who will humble themselves, before God and tell the Lord this is what I'm struggling with but I want to be better I want to be more of what you would have me to be to that person God will turn it around I believe I believe with all of my heart that there are people who are coming to church today who want the truth. <clears throat> I believe it. I believe, I believe that there are people who are looking for a church that if I would be vulnerable and I would be honest about where I am, if I have to confess my struggles, I want to be a part of a church that won't condemn me that if I'm honest about here's where I am, that they will put their arms around me and they'll treat me like Jesus. They'll meet me where I am, but they won't leave me where they found me. I believe that there are people who want the truth. I say to you that God wants us to revive the altar, that he needs people who know how to take the horns of the altar and plead the blood of Jesus. He needs people, not just the preacher, not just the pastor. He needs the church to commit to the ministry of prayer, to the ministry of intercession. You don't have to join the prayer ministry. No, 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 no. If you're saved 
and you join the church, you're already a part of the prayer ministry. You're already a part of the ministry of intercession. So the first thing I want to do in obedience to God is I want you to take a minute and serve as an intercessor. Now maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you never prayed for another person. But today, just pray for the person beside you. Don't worry about being churchy. Don't worry about saying right words. Just pray from your heart. This is not a long prayer. It's a short prayer. It is a particular prayer. But I just want you to take the hand of the person beside you. And I want you to pray for this prayer. You're going to be praying, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Just listen for a minute. Just listen for a minute. You're going to be praying, Father God, in the name of Jesus, the person whose hand I hold. I don't know what he or she needs, but God, I know all of us need healing and all of us need deliverance. So I'm asking God, show yourself strong on behalf of my brother and my sister. Touch their life. Touch their heart. Bring healing. Bring deliverance. Bring strength where it's needed. That's the kind of prayer that you're praying. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, would you do that now? Take that person's hand. Now pray. Let them hear you pray. This is not a silent prayer. Speak out loud. Let them hear you pray. While you're praying for them, I'm praying for the house. While you're praying for them, I'm praying for the people who are joining with us virtually. Father God, in the name of Jesus, all over the house, men and women are holding the hand of another person. They're praying for that brother. They're praying for that sister. They're praying for healing. They're praying for deliverance. They're praying, God, for a breakthrough. God, not only bless the people in the house, but God, the people who have joined us virtually, God, show yourself strong in that home, in that house. That person is praying with another spouse. That person is praying with a sister or brother. That person is praying with a, with a child. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray for healing, for deliverance, for a breakthrough. God, the person who's in the house by themselves, but they have touched and agreed with another person in another home, in another city, through the chat box. God, they're praying for one another. So God, we're believing you now for miracles. We're believing you for signs. We're believing you for wonders. God, move as only you can move. We bless your name. You are the God who never fails. You are the God who meets us at every point and every situation in our life. So we thank you, God. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. In the strong name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Come on, put those holy hands together. Give God some praise. People represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.